And are there any scuba men in this thing? Nope, this is, it's a women only thing. Oh, then I'm not Yeah, so they used. <laughs> I'm not using my Strava political points to help you get caught. <laughs> what, good is, what good is this friendship? What good are you to me? Can't be any worse than when they took us all to the sugar shack when I was a kid. I mean, oh my God. put a bunch of kids in a bus, <laughs> fill them up with sugar, and then put them on a no bus one. back home. I mean. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Brendan. What's today's ride? Let's go to uh, Minamiboso in Chiba. All right, that's a nice, easy ride from Tokyo. Uh, well, easy to get there, but the, one of the reasons I like this place is because you can kind of pick and choose your own adventure. Like, so if you want an easy ride, that's yeah. there. If you want to really crank out the climbing meters, yeah. you can do that too. When I first introduced it to you, it was a sort of half ocean, half mountain mix it up type ride. And I think that's kind of the way we've kept it over the years. Yeah, but that's the thing. You can do a lot of different stuff there. So you can have you know, your, your kind of countryside farming views. Um, there's lush green hills in there. As you mentioned, we had seaside rides, uh, both flat beaches kind of thing. And then they've got areas where it's these towering cliffs that cascade into the sea. Now, just to orient everyone, so we've got Tokyo and then Chiba is the prefecture to the east. That's right. Yeah, so it's um, Chiba's to the east of Tokyo. And I like to divide uh, Chiba into like four sections, uh, just, just for me. That, that northwest section um, is next to Tokyo. And it's really like Tokyo or a suburb thereof. Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. you know, up to and a bit past Chiba City. Mm -hmm. And it's not really a place where if you want to go for that uh, kind of countryside cycling route that... If stop and go traffic lights are your cup of tea, then I think... Yeah, then that's the place to go. <laughs> now, if you go a little further east, it it's still pretty flat. Um, but the city eventually gives way to a bunch of say, commercial farms. And then because it's close to town that you see a yeah. bunch of warehouses, logistics yeah. operations are yeah. there. Yeah. And then it's a giant peninsula, right? So you go a little further south yeah. and the central chunk of the peninsula is, let's say, the most hilly or mountainous region. Well, we, we say hilly, but realistically, most of the hills are not over about 300 meters or so. Yeah, that's a good point. I said you can pick and choose your own adventure, but... You're not going to get alpine climbing there. Pick and choose your own adventure up to a maximum of 300 vertical meters. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to think of it. Well, because it is Japan, right? And there's plenty of 2,000-meter climbs other places in the Correct. country. Correct. Drive so a few hours away if you want to do the alpine thing, and, and you're there. Hey. And then south of that is the uh, Minamiboso area. Yeah. And that's where we're going to take people on a ride yeah. of today. And that's like a little peninsula on the peninsula. <laughs> it kind of gets you away from even the traffic that goes around the edge, mm -hmm, right? Because mm -hmm. there's no major cities down there whatsoever. Yeah, true. You want to, um, there, there are a couple of hot yeah. spots on our typical loop, but uh, for the most part, and you are, it's, it's you and the bike. Yeah. All right, so we will put a route in the show notes, so you can mm -hmm. check that out and follow along. Mm -hmm. uh, but we usually start by putting our car in the service area, Michinoeki, Tomiyama Furari, and then starting the course and they're typically going uh, counterclockwise around the edge of the peninsula. That's right. Um, but there's some good um, loops, especially if you want to um, have particular points of interest going the other way. But we're going to walk you through a, a counterclockwise loop, yeah? Exactly, right? Mm -hmm. So we start off, and the coastal road in that area does get pretty trafficy. so we've developed a way to go through the mountains, mm -hmm. which brings us to like our first little, not so much tourist 
destination, <laughs> but just every time we've passed through that tunnel, there's been a trumpet yeah. guy practicing. Uh, yeah, I think it should be a tourist destination um, on Google Maps or what yeah. have you. He's certainly there with enough consistency. Yeah, it's, if, if practice makes perfect, and part of that is consistency. He's been there nine times out of ten on our rides. Yeah, that the the downside to that little mountain, again, low mountain, uh, but climb yep. that takes you off the coastal road is that there are a couple of big, long, dark tunnels. Yep. Um, the first one where Trumpet Man is, not well, we, so bad. Well, we right? say long, but none of them are really much more than a hundred meters long. But mm -hmm. they feel long because there's. No lighting whatsoever <laughs> inside them. Correct. It, and one of them goes around a bit of a corner. Yeah, the, the Trumpet Man tunnel is not so bad. A little way after that, you'll run into that tunnel that does have a bend. And there is a period of time when you're in there when there's just zero light. Yeah, yeah so glasses need to come off. And if you've got a headlight, uh, that's probably recommended to turn it on at that point. So this is like the one time that you don't poke fun at me for having the 800 lumen mm -hmm. Had I 800 front light. You mean the sun? It is the sun. <laughs> they, they joke that fusion technology is 30 years, is always 30 years into the future. And I think they I, found it on the front of my bike. Yes, uh, that is a total lie. It's on Brendan's bike. All right. Mm -hmm. So we go through all the tunnels, then we turn left, and then we go into, I think, one of your favorite little descents. In yeah, all of I Japan. love that. I love that stretch of road. Um, there, you, You're kind of climbing through that tunnel area. But then you turn left and there's the, it's a nice, easy descent. It's got enough turns so it's not a white knuckle technical thing, but enough to keep you kind of active and thinking. So it's not just a boring straight shot. And it yeah, definitely feels like nice Japanese countryside is a good few kilometers, maybe two or three percent descending. So you still have to pedal, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it can feel really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you're doing some work, but you feel like you're incredibly powerful. Yeah. And then a few turns <laughs> and we're on the... The, uh, and then a few turns, and we're on the Tateyama coastline. That's right. Right, and this is where sometimes when the wind kicks in, this is when you can really start to get it, including a sandstorm. Yeah, the, we've had in the past. The the issue is the, the 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 weather there typically blows from west to east, and the beach along that Tateyama coastline is on this route to your right, but it's coming in off of the um, off of the west. And if the wind is powerful enough, it's it's it will totally sandblast your face. No, we had you know we <laughs> that was definitely painful. Well, was it? It was right before or after a typhoon or something like that. We went down there. I remember um, being uh, starting the ride with kind of like a grizzled beard thing and finishing that section of road like perfectly shaven smooth. You told you told me offline that you secretly went in and bought some aftershave at mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. yeah one store. of the conbinis. That's the great thing about Japanese conbinis; they've got everything you could right. possibly need. So yeah, I stopped in, got some aftershave, and completed it. Um, the I will say in that Tatiyama area I mentioned there, there are a couple of hot spots for vehicle traffic, and. This is probably the most dense. Yeah. This is still not bad. It's a pretty wide road. Like, yeah. There's a good berth on both sides. Good shoulder. Yeah. And the traffic's not moving that fast anyway. So it's really yeah. not so bad. And mm -hmm. so then once we get out of the little Tatayama pocket of congestion, mm -hmm. and we start to head west mm -hmm. towards the end of the sort of little peninsula down there at the bottom. Mm -hmm. There's about 10K. This 
can still be a pretty hefty headwind if you're unlucky. Yeah, that's right. If the wind's strong at that point, it is a direct headwind. Yeah. So you might be working uh, harder than usual to go your uh, preferred speed. I've definitely pedaled down some of the little descents. <laughs> on that. It's always a that's always a motivator. <laughs> Why am I having to pedal downhill? Yeah. <laughs> but. It's, uh, as you mentioned, about 10K from yeah. Tatiyama out toward the, I guess, furthest western yeah. point of the peninsula. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then once we round once we round the end, that's when the fun really starts, because typically speaking, we get a tailwind, mm -hmm. and then well, the car your... chasers like yourself get into the time <laughs> trial segment. Well, how do you know your... Well, anyway, for me, I know when I'm at the furthest western point, because there's a uh, lighthouse there. Right. Um, so... I forget the name of it. Sunosaki. Suno okay, thank you, Brendan. You're good for those types of It's written of in the notes. <laughs> and as Brendan said, um, once you round that corner, uh, that's that's time trial zone. There's actually a little loop that cuts uh, south-north um, at the tip of that peninsula. And if you're doing intervals, or I've used it to do an FTP before, uh, it's a great spot to do that because there's no vehicle traffic. It's all left-hand turns, which is what you want in Japan, and no stoplights. So for those of us that don't possess your superior acronym knowledge at oh. FT, what was that? <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, FTP. Yeah. Uh huh. Functional threshold power. So the uh, racers or trainer geeks among you will know this, but it means essentially how much, how many watts you can produce over the course of an hour. Yeah. So on the note of training geek, you definitely chased that Strava calm down on the flats there. Uh, I have I have chased it unsuccessfully, but you know one of the reasons it's unsuccessful is because there have been some very dishonest people on that Strava segment. And if I'm not mistaken, you have flagged some. I have flagged a few. Uh huh. Uh huh. I think the giveaway was that he was going something like. I don't know, 70 kilometers an hour? As I recall, it was faster than the current <laughs> Olympic record for time trial pursuit in, on the one kilometer. Yeah, so that was, that's a flag. And, and I then, think his heart rate was about 60. Yeah, resting heart rate. <laughs> I think that was the giveaway. Yeah, you didn't, I remember you told me you had flagged it and it took Strava, I think they pulled it immediately. I've done enough of, I've marked enough of those and I think enough of them have been verified that Oh, they, they trust you now? Yeah, I've got some sort of trusted flag in the system and it pulls it down immediately. <laughs> the uh, the name of that road anyway, once you start uh, around the peninsula and you start on the very southern edge, is called the uh, Boso Flower Line, that's right? right. Yep. Yeah. And that's the band of road that really wraps around the whole southern extremity of the peninsula. And there are a couple of things around that area that are of interest. Um, as Brendan mentioned before, there's the time trial zone. You'll see a lot of people doing, um, like triathletes anyway, yep. doing triathlete training because of that. Space. Yeah, because you also get the good white water for practicing swimming as well. Mm -hmm. So um, don't be surprised if you see people in the time trial bikes with the full aero helmets yep. or in the wetsuits uh, running alongside the road. Definitely some dollars worth of bicycles down there. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of bike bling. And then you'll pass... On your left, or north of the road in this case, uh, there are a couple of things. There's a huge golf resort. Um, next to that, I think there's a botanical gardens. Yep, yep. Yeah. And I've uh, never been to either of those, by the way. <laughs> I would actually, I'm kind of interested in the botanical gardens. I don't know, I'm, I'm not a big golfer. I don't know if the uh, bike cleats were going to help you uh, with your golf swing, 
I don't know. That's a good one. Maybe, you know, a little bit taller. <laughs> Just if you're going to do it, I don't know, bring a backpack with some uh, golf spikes in there and you can maybe swap out foot gear. Maybe a counterbalance as well. Mm. There's that too if you're into golfing. And then the other thing we see is a lot of surfing. Yeah. Yeah. There's So uh, every time, year round, we have gone on that stretch of road, there are people with the surfboards out and the wetsuits and everything. Well, typically, we tend to go out there in the winter months because it gives a nice temperature improvement over, over Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, a few degrees warmer, I'd say. Especially yeah. in the morning, the being on the ocean definitely moderates the temperature overnight. Mm-hmm. And Tokyo in winter, it's not, it's not some extreme uh, Scandinavian winter, uh, but it can, it can, that chill can get into yeah. your bones. And Chiba and Minami Boso in particular really feel yeah. like a good break from that. You'll continue on that stretch of road, and I'd say the next big point of interest is the uh, Shirahama uh, waterfront. Yeah, that whole area is called Shirahama, and then the Boso flower line follows the coast there for about. 10 or 15 kilometers. Mm-hmm. This is when you get the benefits of all that headwind breaking from before. Ah, yeah. We've definitely freewheeled there at 50 plus kilometers an hour, putting in just about no effort. Yeah, it makes you feel incredibly powerful, but it is a good break after you've been hammering into the wind. Um, you round that corner, and then all of a sudden, you really make your time. Um, the big point of interest there is the another lighthouse, the uh, Noshimazaki Lighthouse, yeah. right? There's, and that's kind of the main tourist attraction in the area. Like, there's a lot of restaurants in the area there. Mm-hmm. People make it all the way out there. Mm-hmm. Now, you sent me a photo before this, and maybe you can put it in the show notes as well, of, like, girls in white wearing scuba masks. What was all that about? Oh, come on. They're not scuba masks. No, it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a famous festival in that area. It's called the Ama Matsuri, right? And it's in midsummer. Uh, July, there's a there's a ho- national holiday in Japan called Marine Day, and that's where they ho- they hold this thing. And if you're not a history geek, so the ama are free divers, and specifically female free divers in this case. And what they would do is go without the benefit of scuba equipment or snorkels. Uh, they would go gather shellfish and things like that to supplement their meals. And the story behind this festival is that. You know, one evening, um, the very rough seas and the boat sank and the ama, because they're the most familiar with the coastline, they went out there with bamboo torches and they were looking for uh, people from the boat and helping to bring any survivors in. How does and the bamboo torch work with the water? Because they're such powerful swimmers, they can hold the thing up. Okay. Yeah, it keeps it out of the water. And are there any scuba men in this thing? Nope, this is it's a women only thing. Oh, I'm not yeah, so they use <laughs> they use the white wrap because uh, because of sanctity or something. I don't know to be honest with you. I lost all interest. That. I'm sorry. Let's move on. <laughs> but anyway, they enter the water at that lighthouse, so that's where um, a lot of tourists go in the summer. Um, so we follow all right and so after the big lighthouse we tend to pick a lunch because there's a lot of restaurants in the area there Mm -hmm. a lot of dining options there something that i learned when i spent the night there a few a few weeks ago was that all the restaurants close at five and i was hard pressed to find somewhere to eat at 7 p.m that's one of the i guess challenges of riding in the countryside is that things really do close at sunset so i'm typically there at lunch yeah, yeah, we are too. But I was spending mm-hmm. I was spending the night for 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 personal reasons, mm-hmm. and I went out, figured there'd be loads of options, and there was none. I wound up driving about ten kilometers up the coast to find somewhere. Mm.
Okay, time for a shameless plug. Check out Spora.cc to find this and many other exciting and beautiful routes the world over. Spora is the global cycling adventure game where you can complete challenges and battle your friends to explore your world while getting fit and climbing that leaderboard. So feel free, nay, correction, I encourage you to cyberstalk us at Spora.cc. Spora, what motivates you? All right, so after we leave that lighthouse, we continue along the coast for about five or six more kilometers, mm -hmm. and then we sort of turn inland for the quote-unquote mountain section <laughs> of the ride. Yeah, yeah, we, we usually crack off from the coast in the town at Chikura. Yeah, and we break off from the water there and head into the, as you mentioned, uh, air quotes mountains. Uh, they're really not steep. No. They're not high. The problem may, might be after you've been freewheeling yeah. for 20K at 50 kilometers an hour, yeah. the, the hills feel tougher than they actually are. Also, there is not much flat. Like you and I did a different ride the other day in mm -hmm. a similar area, mm -hmm. and I think we did about a hundred and some kilometers, but we'd racked up like 2,000 meters of climbing at the end of all that. Mm -hmm. Close but, to it. But we'd never really gotten an altitude over 400. It just, it just kind of yeah, it's a, accumulates it's a over the whole day. It's a constant up and down, yeah. which in my opinion, it's really the toughest terrain to ride in because you can't get into a solid rhythm. Yeah, it's constantly breaking you your rhythm. So up, down, up, down. Just expect yeah. that. And you don't really get rewarded at the tops of the climbs either, <laughs> to be honest. There are a few descents that are, they're at least fun. They're just not long, yeah. right? They're just not a 20-minute, 30-minute alpine descent. Yeah. And um, it will, as we mentioned, it'll wake up your legs because yeah. it'd probably been uh, lazy for a while. Yeah. yeah. But generally speaking, in that section, we're heading north, right? Yep. And... Uh, they're not really big points of interest that I can think of. It's a beautiful area. Well, you have in the show notes that you enjoy the smell of manure as you ride through this <laughs> yeah. field there. You, you know you're in the countryside because it smells like the countryside. Yeah. Let's put it that way. The only downside to that is when you have one of these dairy farms or something at the top of a hill and you're huffing and puffing and you've got just no option around it. Dairy farms and chicken farms. Maybe chicken farms are the worst. Because I grew up in the countryside, so I don't actually find the smell of manure that offensive. Hey, as did I, but, you know, I've become a city boy here in Tokyo, so I've lost my tolerance. Didn't um, realize urban Georgia was <laughs> countryside? <laughs> well, it's urban Georgia now. It certainly wasn't when I was growing up. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. There is one place that I do want to stop. I We ride by it every time. And I always look at it with interest and say, okay, next time I'm going to bring the family here, and I haven't done it. It's this dude ranch goat farm thing. I've seen the signs for it, but it says something on the sign about being like a first place for domesticated animals or something. I don't know the details. The, domesticated animals? No, what, maybe sheep or goats. Maybe those In are Japan. imported to Japan, right? Oh, okay. Because Japan doesn't have a long history of domesticated animals. Mm. So they imported it and I okay I guess that was the first place that they raised them but now they uh, have turned it into a little tourist attraction I think it's more family oriented like for kids so the kids can go pet the sheep or the goats and they have specific events that they schedule in advance and you can make reservations but we've just never taken the plunge and gone and done one of those now that particular road is probably the worst of this entire loop it does get narrow you do go over a bit of a pass mm -hmm. uh, there is non-zero amount of traffic on the road especially going down the other side you have to be careful and some of the beginners that we've taken around you know have 
Yeah, they get bit kind of nervous going, there. Yeah, yeah. get a bit nervous going around there. So just, mm -hmm. I've tried, especially on my own, about five or six times to take alternate routes to get around <laughs> that. Mm -hmm. Now there's a bunch of little forest roads, but to be honest, none of them are any better. They tend to be very poor surface mm -hmm. and or dirt and or steep. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Personally, I don't think it's that bad, but it's definitely not the most pleasant section of the entire loop. But again, not terrible. No, it's not terrible, uh -huh. but... To make, it, to make it a bit more beginner-friendly, I would have liked to be able to skip it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, after that goat farm climb, there's a long, steady descent, yep. and then we'll turn back west, yep. correct? Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And then we get to what I think is quite the main highlight of the entire route, which is the terraced rice paddies. There's the Mariama Sen Senmaida rice paddies. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a few times of the year that are interesting to go. The My, my favorite is maybe in... I guess late summer, early fall? Early September is when the rice okay. paddies will be golden, uh -huh. and May or June will be when they're filled with water. Mm. Both times are good, uh, what do they call it? insta moments now? Yeah. Yeah, so with the water, you get the, the shimmering rice yeah. uh, fields, uh, if you catch the sun correctly. Yeah. And then the September time frame is just like golden yeah. fields. Yeah. And you see the golden fields across the whole ride in September, so that was really nice too mm -hmm. when we did it mm -hmm. as a group club ride in September. I love that one. And then you're, at that point, oh, Leading up to the rice fields, there's another very popular Strava segment there. It's a, it's a I don't know, 70, 80 meter climb or so. Wait, this is the one the that road. you blame Strava for not having? I don't blame Strava. I blame some jerk for creating a duplicate route on top of the segment. And for whatever reason, my GPS only recorded the less popular but, duplicate route. But, but Strava does the calculation against both. Well, then I'm blaming Strava because I claim that I nabbed the com by at least three or four seconds, and yet I was denied in the leaderboard. This sounds like a classic case of workmen and their tools. No, what I need, since Strava trusts, trusts you, you need to flag this and say, hey, I know this guy, and he got the comm, I'm, and then please give it to I'm him. I'm not waving. I'm not using my Strava political points to help you get a comm. <laughs> what, what good is this friendship? What good are you to me? I give you great routes like this. I introduced <laughs> this route to you after I was hit by a car back in 2013. Oh, touche. Way to get back on the bike, my friend. Yeah, way to get go. back on the bike. All right, so now, <laughs> we've never actually seen it open. <laughs> but there is the shiitake mushroom farm location. Yeah, this is this place is so weird to me. You're you're almost done with all the climbing at this point. I think it's the last little hill. We we drive past this one every time, and it's a mushroom farm that is always permanently closed. It appears. You see, my bet is that it's open on the weekdays, and droves of elementary and middle school students get drag there by their teachers <laughs> is my guess and so i bet if we went on a weekday during the school year it would be open is some, something's wrong about that so they take the kids to the psychedelic mushroom forest is that what they do to the teachers hey it can't be any worse than when they took us all to the sugar shack when i was a kid i mean <laughs> oh my god put a bunch of kids in a bus <laughs> fill them up with sugar and then put them on a bus <laughs> back home i mean i don't know what the teachers were thinking uh, of that one. yeah i can't who forced that onto them? Every year oh. in Canada, in Quebec, <laughs> to the sugar farm. I thought, it, as a Canadian, I thought they just injected you with maple syrup. I that, thought that, it was an intravenous injection. That happens too. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and anyway, if someone ever rides past this thing and sees it open, would you please, like, tell us in the comments? Yeah. And take a uh, picture of, of yeah, it so we can see that it's open. Yeah, post that. 
for all eternity because that is a fascinating thing to me. All right, so after you get over these last few ripples, um, it's a long descent back to the coast. Mm -hmm. There is a bonus segment in there that I like to do that I think I've taken you on once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's up to the Sakama Dam. Um, I typically, when I want to ride through the dam, I do it at the beginning of the route and do the whole course in reverse Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of climbing in there. Uh, there's and a lot you're of, lazy. Yeah, and you're lazy. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to. You know, I'm not lazy. You're lazy. Okay. <laughs> well, you also you like uh, you. I want to enjoy the scenery, like the cherry blossoms, at the beginning of the ride when you're still full of energy. That's well, and the other probably way. if you're doing a I don't know 100 120 yeah. kilometer loop, we also run out. Of, we also run out of light sometimes at the end of this ride, especially in the winter. In, yeah, there is not a lot of daylight in winter, so when the sun's gone yeah. at four. And you are driving from Tokyo, yeah. so you can't get on the road, or it's difficult to get on the road much before I don't know nine, ten. Yeah, yeah you're you're really bumping up against the late light. And so, coming from the west, mm-hmm. you do a fairly steep climb through the dam up to this little ridge road, mm-hmm. and then that sort of slowly descends down, and you skip this mushroom factory hill and a couple others. Oh, for shame. There's more climbing total that way, but mm. there's a lot of interesting scenery mm-hmm. up there, mm-hmm. and it's definitely a good bonus if you, you know, for more advanced riders who want to add a little extra to it. Yeah, it's so, as you mentioned, I've been there once, I think, and really liked it, uh, so can't wait to go back and catch that one next time. Okay, you sold me on the loop. So let's tell folks out there the best way to get there. All right, so I, and you for that matter, both <laughs> live in South Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And so we typically drive. That's right. It's quick. It's quick. From my house, I can be there in about an hour and 30 or an hour and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just drive right across the Tokyo Bay on the on the Aqualine, mm-hmm. which is an engineering feat in and of itself. It's pretty cool to drive across. Yeah, it's actually part of the trip, yeah, it's honestly part, speaking. It's half tunnel, mm-hmm. half uh, causeway mm-hmm. across Tokyo Bay. And right where it crosses from Tunnel to Causeway, mm-hmm. there's a service area right smack dab in the middle of Tokyo Bay. Yeah, and that in and of itself is a destination. Yeah. Uh, uh, Umi Hotaru? Umi Hotaru. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a, uh, it's a sea firefly. Okay. And they've taken what used to be, I guess, a tiny little rock outcropping and turned it into a service area slash tourist destination. <laughs> and the one of my favorite things is to see the drill bit that they have put on display that they used to bore the tunnels out. It's spectacular how big that thing is. Well, when, when you look down, right, you start on the fifth floor, mm-hmm. and it's down on the on the first floor. Kind and of it looks, far away, too. And it doesn't look very big, but you actually walk down to it, and it's massive. Yeah, and you, you can't imagine that that thing was spinning underground. And But it is. It churned out. How, how long is that tunnel? It's 8, 10K, something least, like yeah. that? It, it's a long way. Now, the downside is that it can get a bit trafficy yeah. on the outbound, especially Saturday morning, because yeah. people are going from Tokyo and going out to yeah. the Chiba for the weekend. Yeah. But you usually don't lose more than 15, 20 minutes or if, so. If that going out. Uh-huh. Um, but the other thing to be aware of is if you're not a local and you're looking at the toll prices for Aqualon, ignore the official price. Yeah, the official price is 3000 but they've been temporarily, quote-unquote, <laughs> reducing it to 800 Every year, repeatedly for the last ten years. So the reality is, is that it's eight hundred, but you do need to have one of the electronic toll collection ETC cards. Yeah, to for those of you of that. who don't know, ETC is the automatic toll thing, as Brendan mentioned. If you're getting a car from a rental agency, just make sure you have that installed in the car and make sure there's a card in there yeah. so that you can take advantage of the temporary discount yeah. offered. 
Um, but coming back is a bit of a different story. The, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the traffic can be quite significant. We've lost, I'd say we typically lose 20 to 30 minutes. And then there was that one time where we lost the best part of an hour. Oh, it was a, it was a nightmare. I don't know what happened that day. But when does traffic start backing up? Usually around 3 or so is when it really starts backing up. So if you're coming back later in the evening, that's obviously when it's going to be worse, especially on Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, there's also some outlets there, so shoppers, in addition to people who were there for the weekend, yeah. are all cramming on that one artery to get back to Tokyo. Yeah. So we typically drive down to the service area, Michino Eki Tomiyama Furari, which has free parking good for the whole day. And just to be a bit more considerate, we park as far away from the buildings as possible. But yeah, so it doesn't the, really get that crowded. One of the reasons we like that area is because it's got everything you could need. It's got a place to fill up water bottles. Yeah. It's got uh, nice, clean public toilets if you need to drop those few precious grams yeah. after your coffee and before the ride. And then at the end of the ride, if you want, it's even got uh, some produce stands and some uh, stalls there to pick up food. So you can do that as well. And free parking. We've never been harassed by no. anybody, but we have been considerate. And I think they're very generous to one gentleman that we've seen there the last few times who appears to be living out of his car. It's been the same guy in the same van. <laughs> and the reason why it's easy to tell is because he has Akita Prefecture number plates. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so just, you know, the chances of that being random probability are pretty low. Yeah, and he's been there the last few times we've gone. Yeah. There in the morning, there, there when we came back. Reading yes. a book both times. Uh huh. So if you see this individual, uh, give him a wave and tell him uh, Jordan and Brendan sent us. And he'll wonder what you're talking about. <laughs> so if you don't have a car, though, yeah, there are alternatives to get there. One popular way, especially if you live in South Tokyo or Yokohama, is to take the Tokyo Bay Ferry. Mm. It crosses from Yokosuka, mm-hmm. runs about every hour, takes about 45 minutes to get there. Uh, the cost for you and your bike is about 1,400 yen each way. Mm-hmm. Doesn't quite put you on this route. It puts you yeah, about 15 kilometers north of the route. It's not a terrible detour because you're going to go south and hit and catch the, yeah. the loop at the coastline yeah. anyway in Tatiana. So it's not bad. It's not too bad. And then, I'll, all right. So if the ferry doesn't really work out for you from a time perspective, uh, there are some train options. From Shinjuku and Tokyo, there are some limited express trains that will take you all the way there without changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, those cost about 4,000 yen, take mm-hmm. about two hours depending on where you're starting. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, you can cheap out and take the cheapo train. <laughs> uh, you can get from Tokyo, changing in Soga or Kimitsu, down to Tateyama. Yeah, and it what? Doubles your time? It's about three hours, and tw- <laughs> about 2,300 yen. Uh-huh. Uh, there it- aren't a lot of those limited expresses anymore they've been really cutting down on those mm-hmm. so on the return leg it can turn into the local train unless you're very good with your planning and time management and recently they've been promoting a specialty bike train yeah was yeah. the cycle base train right right i'm and pretty negative on it because it's more expensive you can mm-hmm. only get it through a tour package with uh, jr the national railway here mm-hmm. um the time that it gives you in Tatayama is not the best. It's not really enough to do a good long ride. Not this loop, anyway. It's more aimed at people who want to take their bike, do a putter around, go to a cafe, and then putter back mm-hmm. and take the train. Mm-hmm. Which and, I'm not judging. Which I'm, I'm not, perfectly fine with that. And it doesn't start in central Tokyo. It starts out in Yokoku, which is a station that's a you know it's outside of the central area. So 
if you don't happen to live in that area, you would still have to put your bike in the bag to get it to the start station of the station, which again doesn't make the most amount of sense. Yeah. If and it started from, if this train started from Shinjuku and Tokyo, then at least it would say, okay, it starts in a few central locations and gets and gets you out there. And that one drops you off in Tateyama? That one will make a whole bunch of stops on the way down the coast. Okay, but the furthest south is Tateyama, Tateyama. which we mentioned. And then there's yeah. a, the local train will stop at uh, EY, I yeah. think, is the one that's closest to yeah. the parking area that we've been Exactly. Discussing. Alternatively, Tomiura gives a reasonable starting off point, and the fast train does stop there as well. Mm -hmm. And so... Be aware, if you're going to go out there, that Japan is a land full of these little microclimates. So even if it's nice in Tokyo and you say, ah, you open the window and it's beautiful, let's go cycling in Chiba today, make sure you check the weather in advance because the weather in Tokyo can be dramatically different from what you'll find out in Chiba. I've definitely driven across that aqua line and it's been clouds over Tokyo and sunshine over Chiba and also the reverse. Mm -hmm. Like when we did some of that vi video taking for our promo video. Yeah. I mean, our producer Jack did an excellent job of not letting the sky show, so it was hard to see how dark it was. <laughs> it was, it was, to be honest with you, pretty scary and foreboding. Yeah. And in, got increasingly so throughout the day. <laughs> the, the only saving grace there was that, despite how dark and scary it was, we always knew where our producer was located because he was driving a neon green or neon yellow uh, Sienta or Sienta. something like that? At about half the speed of flowing traffic. Yeah. <laughs> With his beginner mark on the, on the yeah. back. He's not a Formula One racer, I don't think. He did do a, he did he did help us out and got us back to the start point when we ran out of light That's after true. taking photographs. That's true. We were videotaping and, and photographing a little too much yeah. and didn't quite make the loop that day. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed the ride in the neon green Toyota Sienta. It was a fair effort to get everything back in there too. <laughs> Yeah, true, but and I was managed to do it. And I was genuinely impressed that only having had that rental car for two or three hours, it was filled to the brim with children's toys. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I've got some kids on the way. And what frightened me was that after two hours, coming from Tokyo to there, the amount of food bits and random children's toys strewn along the floor was like someone had been living in there for a week. It was impressive. It was definitely impressive. I, I bet the, re the rental car people enjoyed that when they got yeah. back. But the, the reason he had family with him is because it's actually a nice yeah. area for some family activities. There's a bunch of stuff to do. Yeah, I mean, if you you know if you want to get out here and you got a family you want to dump somewhere. No, don't just dump. <laughs> if you want to entertain your family while you are enjoying the cycling, there are some options that are family friendly. Uh, one of my favorite, my, my wife loves this is uh, Maza Bokujo, or Mother's Farm. Uh, think of it as a gigantic farm petting zoo type thing. Now uh, they have llamas, right? That's their claim to fame, right? It's uh, llamas or alpacas, I alpacas. think. Alpacas. The ones with the funky hairstyles. Is that alpaca? I don't know. Somebody let us know in the comments. Yeah, please. Please inform us. Uh, but they've got that, and then your standard cows, rabbits, sheep. The pigs, of course. The, the one, one thing of note is... You, you walk in the entrance, and they have this little event for the kids. It's like a, a little piggy races. And they've got the cute little piglets, and they're yep. running around, and the kids are driving them uh, to the finish line. And within eyesight, and definitely within smell distance, is 
Genghis Khan farms <laughs> where the little piggies end up after a few years. I'm always for a low food mile, so that sounds great. Yeah, All right. Now, there's also a big aquarium there in the <laughs> South Coast as well, right? Uh, yeah, that's a huge draw because it's one of the few aquariums where they um, host the, the killer whales. So a lot of people will come from all over to go there because it's where else are you going to go, right? Yeah, that's like that's like people drive all the way from Tokyo just to see that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's massive. It's an all-day thing. So the kids will be entertained uh, throughout your five- or six-hour ride, whatever you want right, to so do. Right, so if you need a place to dump your significant other and or kids, uh-huh. you've got some options, mm-hmm. right? And it's a great cycling all day, mm-hmm. right? So that's the Chiba Minami Boso ride. Yeah, so see you on the road. See you on the road. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Spora podcast. Check out this and other interesting routes at spora.cc. Don't forget to subscribe, like, write a review, and tell us about your favorite routes on the Spora subreddit. Maybe we'll do an episode on it. Spora, what motivates you?